so excited that you're here with us today because we are in week seven of our summer series, Bear Fruit, and we are talking about this fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul talks to us about. <laughs> I love this one for some reason. This, is, this one cracks, cracks me up. The fruit of the Spirit is kind of like the signs, of the manifestations that start to appear in our life when we are connected with Christ, when we're abiding in Christ. He's abiding in us. We're listening to His words. We're following His teachings. We're putting them into practice. And uh, this, is, this list the Apostle Paul comes up with, it's a list of things that ought to show up in our life. Uh, if we're living this Jesus-centered, Jesus-filled life, we're going to grow Jesus' fruit. He says that the Holy Spirit wants to do some things in us. For instance, He wants to grow in us love, which is agape or hesed in the Hebrew. It's this, uh, it's unconditional love. It's love that sticks close no matter what. It's, it's love is loyalty. And it's this love that binds us to Christ. It's the love that binds us to each other as a community. It's love that's expressed, we've been discovering over these weeks. It's expressed in joy and peace and kindness and goodness and patience and faithfulness. And today, gentleness, we're going to be looking at gentleness. Next week in our grand finale, we'll be looking at self-control. Today, I believe, is going to uh, uh, surprise us. Uh, it'll comfort. I'm, I'm praying that it comforts many of you. Uh, I suspect it'll possibly confront a few of us, which is what the Holy Spirit often does. Um, so let's dive in and kind of look at what this word gentleness is or meekness. Sometimes in your Bibles, it'll be translated meekness. It's the same word, and that is this Greek word praoutes. Praoutes. I like that. Um, praoutes means gentleness or meekness, but it's actually a very powerful word, but it's a power that is restrained. It's a power that is tamed, disciplined. Uh, it's a power made friendly, useful in service. It's a kind of, of power which heals a hurt or calms someone's anger. It's defined in the Greek as strength under control. Strength under control. So it's this, this force that it, uh, it responds to the sharp edges of people. You ever run into people with sharp edges? Yeah. It responds to those. It respond, it's kind of like you ever try to help a wounded creature and they want to lash out at you. So it's this calm strength that knows how to, how to deal with that. Proverbs tells us that uh, the tongue has the power of life and death. There's something about gentleness or meekness, this parotis, that is channeled, it's power that's channeled and it's bent towards healing. This is the fruit most associated with healing. So Proverbs says that, that uh, the, the, the tongue has the power of life and death right? The tongue, it's like the one ring that binds them all, right? It, it, can, it can wipe everybody out. It's a powerful weapon. But it says a gentle tongue is a tree of life. So there's power there, but it, when it's harnessed and restrained, it's a source of healing, right? It also tells us a perverse one, a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Wow. How many of us over the past 48 hours uh, maybe have reacted or spoken to a, a colleague or a or a friend, or a spouse, or a child in some way that's, that's more crushing in spirit than tree of life. I don't want to dwell there, and probably neither do you, so let's just move on. Uh, the, uh, the, Greek, the Greek philosopher Aristotle, he said this about gentleness, or praotis. He said, praotis is the ability to bear reproaches and slights 
with moderation, and not to embark on revenge quickly, and not to be easily provoked to anger, but be free from bitterness and contentiousness, having tranquility and stability in spirit. I, I quoted this because I like that last phrase, stability in the spirit. That's gentleness here. So, if this is what gentleness or prioritis is, let's, let's talk just real quickly about what it is not. And, and first of all, let's get this out of the way. Gentleness is not a feminine quality. This is not the fruit of the Spirit that's for women. Sometimes we get this idea, some of those fruits are for men and some are for women. Nope, they are all for all of us, right? So this is for all of us, and it's not based on what your natural DNA is, right? Well, I'm just normally a rough and tumble kind of person. I tell it like it is. Well, that's great, but when we are walking in the Spirit, the Spirit transforms, and the Spirit is going to make even you gentle. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about what, what, gentle, what else gentleness is not. Priorities or gentleness is not passivity. It's not weakness, and it's not passivity. Remember, gentleness is an expression of love. All these fruits are an expression of love, so it can't be passive because love is not passive, is it? It's not love. love always initiates. And so you're not gentle just because you're not mean. You're not gentle, uh, ju you know, just because you're, you're sitting off to the side, not getting involved. That's not enough. Gentleness is shown in how you engage with people. That's how your gentleness comes to the front. So the person who's sitting off in the corner saying, I'm just not going to do anything. The person who is ignoring other people, you're, maybe you're not being mean. That doesn't really qualify as gentle. Uh, until you begin to interact with people, until you say, I want to serve you. I want to offer my strength, my power in a way that helps to heal, that helps, to, helps your life become better. There's where our gentleness really comes through. And maybe it's just going and talking to someone or talking to that quiet person or that lonely person. Gentleness, as I said, is the, is the fruit most associated with healing. So it's definitely, this is the, the fruit we display when we go and we pray for someone. We believe in healing in this church, right? And we believe that God heals. We believe in praying. And so when you go and you pray for somebody in that way, that's not like condemning or, or harsh, but it's, it's, you're offering comfort and compassion. And that is gentleness. So how do you interact is, is where it's not withholding interaction. That's passivity, and that's not gentleness. It's not weakness. It's a strength that serves, that says, how can I meet your needs? Which brings us uh, to that gentle giant known as the St. Bernard. Uh, I've been looking at these dogs a lot here lately, and uh, I just love this, this breed of dog. Uh, the St. Bernard, it's a great example of strength under control. Um, Although it is a fact that these dogs are very strong, what, what their nature communicates to people is, my strength is on your side. Uh, it's, and it's not a matter of, well, he's just a weakling, right? he wouldn't hurt a fly. No, he could hurt a lot of things. Um, the average adult St. Bernard, they get up to about 180 pounds. These, these, these dogs. The largest one ever was this dog named Benedictine. He was 350 pounds. And they can be three feet tall. So when they stand up and get on your shoulders, they're like a bear. They're taller. They can be taller than the average man. Um, and yet they are famous for being incredibly meek and gentle with kids. They're great with kids. They just have this nature. But remember, gentleness goes beyond just being like chill. 
it's not just being calm. What makes them a great picture, I think for us today to kind of remember, uh, of biblical gentleness is they are a breed that is designed for rescue and service. And it really is true. You've probably grew up on the cartoons where you see the little St. Bernard run to help somebody and they usually got a little keg of brandy there, which makes the person being rescued really excited. Um, <laughs> but they have this, this lineage. There's a strong history here uh, of being search and rescue dogs. And, uh, and, and so these dogs are known, have been known throughout the years, the decades in the Swiss Alps. They've rescued hundreds of people um, who were stranded by avalanches. And they say that this it's, they have this internal wiring somehow that was, it was recognized by these monks back in the 1700s, the, the, the St. Bernard monks who lived in the St. Bernard Pass, hence the name, and there was something in their nature that they recognized that they would seek out and find people when they were in an avalanche. They can sniff someone 20 feet deep in the snow. Can you imagine the power of that? They can sniff them, they will dig them out, and it's said that they would even lie on top of the, the victim to warm them up. This is all just something they did naturally. They didn't even have to like train them to do this. It was just in their wiring. Now, it's interesting too. Here's where gentleness, a lot of these fruits of the Spirit, as you can have seen, if you've been here for seven weeks and listening to this, a lot of these fruits of the Spirit, they work together with other ones, right? The, the, the meanings and the edges kind of blur together. They, they bleed together. And here's where gentleness is similar but distinct from kindness. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Melissa talked about kindness as being the fruit associated with rescue, kindness. The word for gentleness, and especially in the Hebrew, is more associated, as I said, with healing that is needed after the rescue. So you could think of it that way. It's, a, it's the, the fruit associated with healing. In the Old Testament, the New Testament, protis, in the Old Testament, whenever this, this trait is referred to, this is the word when you see Jehovah Rapha. It's the word God, our healer. And uh, if, if you, that, that uh, Proverbs that we were just looking at before, that Proverbs 18, where it says a gentle tongue is a tree of life, that root word of that gentle there was that rafa. And it's a word that means wholesome or nourishing. So it's the God who heals you. So we could say that God's loving kindness comes and rescues us, and it leads to our repentance. And then his gentleness leads to our healing. This is our God. And this, of course, is a picture of what we, being filled with this Spirit, are to do for others as His image bearers. So we do these same things. So it's a gentleness that leads to healing. So gentleness doesn't just say, I'm not going to be a vicious person or a mean person. It says, how can I use my strength to help, to serve, to bring healing? And isn't this a beautiful picture of Jesus? I mean, isn't this so Jesus? Now we understand why, why this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is such a picture of Jesus. Here is God come in the flesh with enough power to be very intimidating if he wanted to, right? He even told his disciples one time, look, guys, I, yeah, I got the power. I, I could bring the lightning if I wanted to, but that's not what I'm about. I'm here to serve. I'm here not to intimidate, not to conquer, not to lord it over. And so with the fruit of gentleness, the strength of a person is not a threat, but it is a blessing, Protes or gentleness. It's a kind of, that kind of strength. In, in Galatians 5, where we read the fruit of the Spirit, we've been reading that all week long, those, those nine fruits of the Spirit. Right after that, the Paul, he actually comes back a few verses later and mentions gentleness again specifically. And he says this in verse 24. 
He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now notice that. Since we live by the Spirit, that's what we've been talking about. So do you notice this partnership? We live by the Spirit. He's the source, right? This fruit of the Spirit comes from Him. We don't just generate it ourselves. We're, we're the fruit connected to the tree. We live by the Spirit. But, so He empowers us. But what is it then? Let us keep in step. So there's a partnership there. We live by the Spirit, but then we have a responsibility to keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, envying each other. In the next verse, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit, in other words, you who are, you are spiritual, you're connected to the vine, who is Jesus. You who live by the Spirit, restore that person gently. The verb here, restore, it's a, it's a, a very evocative word in the Greek. It means to mend, like a fisherman's net that gets torn restore, to mend it together, restore the net when there's a tear. It's also a medical term that was used to, to set a bone that was broken. Restore it, this broken bone, to bring together the broken pieces so they can heal properly. You should restore, you should put together again so uh, for, for healing someone else's brokenness. And if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore that person gently. Restore gently, gently. Remember, we're doing this as empowered by the Holy Spirit, so he's going to help us to do it gently. So as Christians, this becomes part of our nature, right? Because we're new creations. We're not just the old self that just reacted in crazy ways when someone did something or when we saw something we didn't like. No, we're now, we're, we act supernaturally. We act with his nature to use that strength that God's given us in service toward those who are hurting, towards those who need rescue, to the one who is buried under that avalanche. Some, something has happened. They've been caught in a sin. That's an interesting phrase here. We kind of can think of that. We can read it like caught in a sin, like, oh, they got caught. Oh, man, that's embarrassing. They got caught in the sin, caught in the act. Um, but really, in the Greek way it's phrased here, it refers to like, a, like Nemo caught in the net. It's the sin itself that has caught them, Right? And so, you know, can we relate to that? Something has caught us. It's captured us. Um, it, it, you ever had something in your life, you just you can't believe that you did it. You can't believe that you keep on doing it, right? It's like, it's like this thing, you keep falling for it. And you keep getting, and you're caught in that avalanche of this sin, this stronghold that has just overtaken you. And you're buried in the avalanche of your own flesh. And then the weight of shame and oppression leads, starts to lead you away from Christ. And it can start to lead you away from community because who wants to be around people when you're all feeling all ashamed, right? And so it can lead you away, carry you away. And you know you need rescue. You can't do it on your own. You need some spiritual Saint Bernard, right, to come and dig you out Amen. so the healing can begin. This is the scenario that Paul describes. And he says, those of you who are spiritual, those of you who have a maturity, who are moving in the way of Christ. And what he's telling us is don't wait. When you see someone who's going through this, don't wait. Don't wait for these people to come find you because they might be buried, right? They're, they're buried underneath it. And if you see them, if you sense that, and if you're, you know, if you're spiritually mature, you'll keep your eyes open for broken people. 
We keep our eyes open for broken people, so for the people who are slowly drifting away. Those are the people, maybe they're becoming more quiet. Maybe you can think of someone now. They're becoming more quiet. They're slowly pushing themselves toward the margins. There's something broken in their life. They're pushing themselves away. And you can tell shame is starting to create this distance between you and them. So take the initiative. Go out after them. You'll look for them and say, I am here to help. How can I help? And you'll create that kind of stable spirit in their life that'll help guide them through this. This is what Paul sees as gentleness in action. Now, by the way, are you starting to see through this series as I am? It's really been convicting for me too, how, why it is impossible to be a fruit-filled Christian all by yourself. It's impossible to be a spirit-filled, fruit-filled Christian while avoiding other people or just thinking you're going to do your spiritual life all by yourself. You can sit home, you know, and just do it. It's just me and God. I'm going to read my Bible or listen to stuff on the podcast. I'm just, I'm just doing it by myself and I'll be good. It is impossible. Amen. The common denominator to every one of these fruits of the Spirit is what? They're done in community. They, they are only expressed around when someone's around. I mean, that is when they shine. That is the purpose of them, is, is other people. And, and so they're on display. So you never need to feel, you never need to wonder, like, why do I feel so dry if you're trying to be a Christian in isolation? You don't need to wonder because it is like being a bird on a submarine. It is meaningless, right? You, it is like being a bird going, no, 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 I don't need, I don't need to fly. I'm just going to hang out here in the submarine and read about flying and uh, think about flying and, you know, read histories about flying. It's meaningless. The fruit of the Spirit grow for the sake of the world. We got we to gotta get out there and fly. So with that said, I want to point out just a few other uh, verses about gentleness in Scripture. We're going to do just kind of a quick panoramic drive by, uh, see what the rest of the New Testament says about this. You can go back uh, on your own uh, personal study and, and look at these more deeply if you want. Ephesians 4, 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In Titus, it says, Slander no one, be peaceable, and consider it. Always be gentle toward everyone. Philippians 4, one of my favorite chapters in the world. Uh, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Over in Matthew, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's part of the Beatitudes. Remember that? It's the exact same word. It's proetes. Same word. So meek and gentleness go together. It's the same word. Blessed are the proetes, for they will inherit the earth. It's interesting here because that, that phrase, um, the blessing of inheriting the earth, was a phrase used back in ancient times. And that was a nod here to the militarism of Rome. To inherit the earth was the goal. It's also Jesus is kind of poking a little bit at the, the Hebrew mindset here. The Old Testament Hebrew mindset was we're going to inherit the earth. We're going to defeat our enemies. We inherit the earth. And, and so because getting the land is always the goal in some kind of war, isn't it? You want, you want to inherit the world? We've got to get the land. War is always about acquiring territory, expanding the kingdom, protecting the territory you have against the bad guys, grasping at power. And Jesus says, guys, it is the gentle, it is the meek who will inherit the land. We will win the battle for this planet when we become a movement of gentleness. 
That goes against common sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, James, who was Jesus' brother, he says this in chapter 3, Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. And then just in case we're thinking, well, okay, I need a, you know, you're looking for an excuse to, I'll, I'll be gentle to Christians, but I, I don't have to be gentle to the world, like worldly people, right? The scriptures point out over and over that, yes, we, we need to specifically be gentle, even to our enemies, our opponents. Over in First Peter, Peter says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, parutes and respect. Come on. I mean, Scott, come on. I mean, what about, what, you know, what if it's those socialist libs out there? I don't got to be gentle with them, right? Because, I mean, what if it's those fascist conservatives? I mean, they just get me. I, you know, we got we to, gotta, you know, defend our... They may respond. They may respond to you with hurt, they may respond with venom. Uh, they may respond in ignorance to what you're all about. Jesus says you will respond with gentleness and respect. Amen. Because it's not just, this is really good. Uh, if I say so myself, it's not just the content of your answer. It's how you respond. Uh, it's not just the content of your answer. Uh, it is not just your devastating logic of your argument. Uh, that convinces anybody. It is how you respond that really speaks the truth, that communicates the truth of the character of Christ. How you respond wins hearts. It's, it's, what, it's what speaks to the truth of Christ. How you interact with people around you. The Apostle Paul was writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and he's mentoring this young, young man, he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. The word means to be given to engage in battle. Should not be quarrelsome. Uh, it's someone who, who seems to just instantly, their, their DNA just goes right to the debate, to go to the argument. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. He's telling this to a, a young pastor but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Yeah, yeah, Lord, I hear you. Opponents must be gently instructed. And that word means discipled. It's the same word for discipled. Opponents must be gently discipled, right? So not conquered, but brought along, right? Brought along. Yeah, they're going to want to argue with you. Of course they will. Don't let that be a surprise. They might want to shout at you. They might cut and bite in the conversation. They might engage in some of those debate tactics that are so, you know, uh, effective, like, like shaming the other person. You know, they might try to use all kinds of things. You're not going to fight back the same way. It's as simple as that. We don't fight back the same way. And as you show the character of Christ, you speak in gentleness, with gentleness. Let me just mention one other thing when we're talking about gentleness and uh, preaching. Pray for pastors and teachers. Um, because as I said, when you're in a conversation with someone, 
you're communicating in two ways. You're communicating with the, the content of your answer, the words that you're actually saying, but you're also modeling the character of Christ. That communicates probably even more loudly, the character of Christ. You're either communicating in the character of Christ or you're not. Um, and, and this is true for pastors and preachers and teachers. Uh, sometimes we get, we get really excited about a topic and uh, then we switch into our angry voice. Um, and unfortunately, within the church, there is this history of, of associating uh, anger as the emotion associated with holiness. Uh, and while somebody tries to, you know, to prove that they're holy by getting really angry while they're teaching on a topic, and it leads to something that is not effective, it's obnoxious, and it is not encouraged by the Holy Spirit. So, but pastors who serve, the word pastor means a shepherd, so pastors, we're the under-shepherd who serve under the great shepherd, Jesus. We ought to know better. We ought to know better. And so, uh, we, but it's, it's very easy. I'm just telling you, you get into a scenario where the pastor wants to make sure that you understand and are convinced of the love of Jesus, right? <laughs> and, and that can be very spiritually confusing to our soul, can't it? Because anger is the emotion, as we talked about a few weeks ago, anger is the emotion associated with judgment. And there's one judge. It's not us. We're not called to judge. It's Jesus. He's the judge. We're not the judge. Now, there can be zeal, for sure. There can be zeal for holiness and a passion for the topic. It doesn't mean that preachers can't get excited and loud. I don't really have the energy for it, but I've heard other preachers do. That's awesome. Um, but, but it still needs to always be filled with joy with grace, the, the peace, and the fruit of the Spirit. It shouldn't slip into anger. Or what's happening there is the preacher is just preaching out of the flesh. That's what's happening. And we've, it's very easy for preachers to mistake bitterness for passion and to preach out of our bitterness. And that's not healthy for anybody. And I have been guilty, and I've had to walk off the stage and repent to the Lord for it. So it's not good. So just a cautionary note there. As you listen to your, your preacher or your podcasts or your YouTube uh, prophets or whoever it is, listen, uh, when they start to wander away from the fruit of the Spirit, just pray for them. A and maybe just turn the channel until they feel better. And then you can, <laughs> then you can go back. All right. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things we want to know, uh, you know, get, give us, the, what's the baseline here? How do I grow in gentleness? Okay, we know what gentleness is. How do I get it? That's the question we ask every week, and the answer is the same every week. We get gentleness by connecting to the Spirit of the One who is gentle. Jesus is our model for this. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Notice he doesn't say by the power and judgment of Christ. Nope, it's by the humility and gentleness. Now, You'll notice in Scripture, if, if, as you're doing your, your personal study this week, you're going to see over and over humility and gentleness very often go together. They're often given in the same sentence. The word for humility, it means to set oneself at a lower station, uh, to actually descend as Jesus did. That it, it, the theologians call the, this Christ journey the path of descent. It's this from descent. You choose to relate to others from below rather than look down on them from above. That is humility. And so with gentleness, it says, gentleness says, well, I will come and I'll position myself to serve from below. I will use my strength not to threaten, but 
to serve. Remember the Lord said the, the pagans, that's the world, the way they do it. The way their, their tactic, their habit is to lord it over. They're all arguing and vying for power. Who can lord it over the other? He, what did he say? It shall not be so with you. Not so with you. Not so with us. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. And this is really our foundation scripture uh, that'll take us home. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. There it is again, those two words. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ah, don't you know people who need to meet this Jesus? Don't you know, don't, don't, doesn't your heart ache sometimes when you see the church and the Jesus being shown to people that's not this? Oh, it breaks my heart. Jesus will give them rest. He'll give them healing from their sin, from the avalanche of, of the burden of their guilt and their shame. He gives rest and he rescues us from the weight of religion, the, the stress uh, of, our, of our culture wars. Jesus here has a different way. He is a better way. He says, take his yoke upon him for it's easy and light. Yoke, we've talked about this before, but I'll just mention it again in case maybe you're new with, at a, with generations. Um, yoke here in, in this context, it's a Jewish rabbinical metaphor. They would talk about the yoke, the rabbis would. And, to, and it's, it's a metaphor for his teaching. The yoke was a teaching. It was a, you know, it's a farming tool. The yoke would go around the oxen, but it was a metaphor for the teaching, his way of life. In Jesus' day, the rabbis would often debate with each other. The rabbis, you know, they were held in esteem, and they would debate with each other about the interpretation of Torah. And one rabbi would have these, these things. Here's how I interpret the Sabbath. Here's how you keep the Sabbath. Or, you know, here's how, what I believe about divorce. Or here's what I believe about civil di disobedience or something like that. And another rabbi would have a different interpretation, and that would be his yoke. And so Jesus come and says, my yoke is easy. And so, uh, it, and so Jesus says, my yoke, my burden, my teachings are light for your soul to bear. It doesn't have the weight of religion on it. It's the freedom of a relationship with God. And it seems like everything about Jesus' approach is modeling this gentleness toward us. He descends. He serves from a low position. He doesn't overwhelm with his power. Come to me come to me. The scholars tell us that this phrase right here would have been recognized by the crowd as the rabbi's invitation. So rabbis back then, they were kind of the traveling itinerant ministers, right? They would run around and many in the crowd would have longed to hear that invitation, come to me. But most people, the most 90% of the people of Jesus' day would assume that they were unqualified. They will never get to hear that. Because a rabbi in Jesus' day would travel the country looking for the best and the brightest. They would look, looking for students, disciples who would follow them around and to extend this very exclusive invitation to join his, his private school. And the rabbi would want everyone to know that not just everybody can come, only the most prepared, the most spiritual, the holiest, the purest, the most zealous could put on his yoke and be part of his school. It was going to be rigorous, right? You're going to be put through the paces. And it's going to be difficult to follow this rabbi, but it would be a great honor. And the rabbi would set him up as, usually set themselves up as the sort of distant, austere master, taskmaster to be impressed and served without question. And Jesus just flips the script entirely. He says, I know you think only the best and brightest and those able to handle harsh treatment are qualified. But Jesus in his, his bold but quiet way says, 
if you are weary, if you're burdened, come join me because there's rest here. Amen. There's rest here. My yoke, my ways are easy. The burden is light. Come and find rest for your souls because I'm a gentle teacher. I'm humble of heart. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful Messiah. But do you know in his day, not everybody wanted to hear that. Just as in our day, there's, there are folks who don't really want to receive that invitation, right? Just as in Jesus' day, there were groups of people listening to Jesus. They were probably in the crowd listening. And they hear this. And some of them would have responded, no thanks, Mr. Gentleness. That's not what we need. We need a tough rabbi. Have you looked around? Have you looked at the state of things, this ungodly society, the Romans in charge? Have you looked at all this? This isn't the time for gentleness. No, no, no. We need somebody who will fight with us, with the zealots, right? Overthrow the Romans, work for justice and freedom and liberty. Not realizing that it is not by the sword you find healing. Nobody was healed by a sword, but by God's gentleness, his grace, his mercy. That God's healing was not just reserved for that chosen few. God's healing was for all the nations. It's for all the nations. They couldn't hardly fathom that. Very few in Jesus' day could fathom that what Jesus was talking about was for everyone. It was for everyone. And today, we have to remember that too. We're not here to win the battle. We're here to win the lost. Amen. We're here to win the lost. Right? So gentleness is very countercultural. It does not make you popular, right? Uh, you will lose friends over arguing for gentleness. Um, in our culture, our heroes today are typically not heroes because they're gentle. You know, you just think about who's, who's popular, you know, the Michael Jordans, those kind of folks. Um, boy, that dates me. Anyway, but the, those are the, you know, the gentleness is the alpha dogs in our society, right? That's what society admires. They're famous, the famous people. You know, you think about the actors or the good-looking folks, the great athletes. Um, or the gentleness, you know, or, or the, the heroes are, are, are our warriors, right? The warriors, they, they kind of go do our dirty work for us. Those are our heroes, not the gentle. How many today would say no thanks to the gentle Christ? Isn't it true? Jesus is kind of a man outside of time. It's like, uh, I don't know, Jesus, I don't know if you knew what you were really talking about, if, we, if you're for us, because that's just not, that doesn't seem to be the Messiah we need today. We need the warrior, right? We, that's not a Messiah for our age. This isn't an age for a meek and humble Savior. This is an age for a conqueror. We don't want to be healed. We don't want reconciliation with our enemies. No, 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 no. We want to be victorious. We don't want a Christ. We want a Constantine. Christ is standing before us. Now I'm talking about not you. I'm just talking about the whole world, our culture. He stands before us in gentleness and humility with his kingdom in his hands. And what does the world yell? Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give us the zealot. Keep the lamb for yourself. And yet, in Jesus' day, there were those who did answer the invitation to follow Jesus. They got it. And it wasn't just the inner 12, the disciples, the famous ones that we hear about. It was the multitudes. There were multitudes that followed him, men and women alike, right? Mary Magdalene was, was as, as uh, devoted a disciple as any of them. 
they recognize the voice of that true shepherd, the one who is gentle with those who bring him their big questions. They hear the call, the one who is gentle with those who bring their hurts, who bring their wounds, their, their doubts, the ones who have been burned, he's gentle with them. He's gentle with them. The ones who feel homeless in today's fractured culture. And so their souls are weary. Jesus says to us in his, his uh, gentle voice, Come, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm humble and gentle and my yoke is easy. We need that kind of healing today. And church, we need to be that kind of healer today in his image. Amen? In a few minutes, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to just continue to teach us this week what it means to be gentle people, to be conformed to the image of Christ. But before I pray, I want one more time, I want to read this invitation of Jesus on the screen and, and invite you to respond and think, what does it mean in your life to take another step toward Jesus. Maybe you're already a Christian, uh, but maybe there's a relationship in your life where you have not been gentle. And uh, maybe you've been too harsh. Or maybe you've been too passive. That's not gentle either, is it? And we need to learn from the yoke. We need to learn from the teaching of the example of Jesus, how to be filled with the spirit of gentleness. So I would love for us to ask, what does it look like for me to take another step in that direction? Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you've just been exploring what this Jesus thing is all about. And maybe this is your first step toward Jesus, whatever, whatever that step is. But why don't we close our eyes right now and I'm going to read his invitation again, the words of Jesus. And here they are. Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example, the teaching, the mentoring of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that as his disciples, we are being fashioned more and more into this image of Christ. Now pray that we would be a people who work with God's Spirit, not against him. May we be people, not, Lord, that not only come to Jesus for salvation so, that, so we can go to heaven, but we come to Jesus and invite him to be the Lord of our life, to lead us and shape us and challenge us daily. Father, I would pray this morning for those who have not yet committed to Christ, who maybe are just investigating, I pray that they would hear your call so clearly and have the courage to say yes. May they recognize the truth in your call of your spirit and say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow in your way. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who have already said yes, who are followers of Jesus, you would help us to take that next step in our spiritual maturity to grow, to flourish with your fruit. Help us to live this out 
in practical ways this week. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, the crucified and resurrected Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, would you stand to your feet this morning as we, we leave this place? Our prayer partners are coming forward. If there's anything that you need prayer, you need someone to stand with you in that strong and gentle way, that stand with you in faith, I invite you to come forward, let these guys pray with you. They would love to pray with you. Whatever's going on in your life, they would love to, to go through that uh, with you in prayer, using their faith alongside yours, because we believe it's not the same when we pray, that God really does amazing things when we, we get him involved in our lives. Hallelujah. Um, if you have any other things that you want to let us know about, you can send your prayer request to us, and we have a whole prayer chain of folks who get that request, and they love to pray instantly right there on the spot. They, they bring uh, your name to the Lord. Uh, so my friends... May the love of the Father, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gentleness of the Holy Spirit fill you with healing this week as you go be gentle to other people. Let's go be the kingdom this week. Amen? Grace and peace. Bye-bye.